Let's do the damn thing. Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to take it to the burn land. It's about to go down. Hope you're ready. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Come and roll with me to the burn land. Friends got to giving you the word, man. Any other BS is absurd, man. Sports talk and they give it to you firsthand. They can talk turps, they can talk O's. Yeah, they both lit. That's how it goes. Baltimore squad, Ravens and Poe. Better tune in. Here gonna show. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. It's all about that BS, baby. What's up, BSers? What's up, peeps? Fred, Scott, James, and Drew, not in the house tonight. <laughs> Ryan, not in the house tonight. <laughs> yeah. Just the three of us tonight. Well, wait a minute. This, this is a special show, man. We it's a special show. What special are you talking night, about, man? man? Special night. Great uh, great show prepared for you as we get ready for the NFL draft. Uh, doing something a little different tonight. An all-Raven show. Yeah, buddy. I've been asking for this for a long fucking time. Yeah, you An all-Raven yeah, show. Yeah, you have. Let's do it. <laughs> so we got a we got a special guest joining, to, joining us tonight. You might know him as Michael Telford. Maybe you know him as Chibs. Maybe it's the ar- artist formerly known as Late Round Corner. Or Asshole, because it's appropriate, too. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Know him as He'll admit things. it. He'll admit it. It's good. <laughs> it's all good. But yeah, it's good. good show with him tonight. We're going to dive into a lot of Raven stuff with him and really dive into this draft with the Ravens. With the 14th pick and the 2022 NFL Draft, the Baltimore Ravens select. We're going to talk all things Ravens drafts. We count down the hours, fellas. We are not long away. No. Less than two days away. Less than 48 hours. We're actually hours. about well, almost 48 almost hours four, from yeah. the start of the 48 draft. 48 and a half hours. Yeah, man. Excited. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Ravens, look, do they stay pat at 14 here? Well, we're going to get into that because they could move back, as we've seen them do so many times over the years. Or maybe the rumors floating around today are true, and they float up in this draft. We're going to get into that. I don't know. We're talking about it. I've heard it before. We'll <laughs> see. Don't get me all excited. But before we do that, man, we got to talk to you about some lawyers, right? Remember the team over at MD Crash? Well, they've been telling you about them for the last couple of years. Well, they've expanded. More lawyers handling a much broader spectrum of cases now, still handling all your auto accident injuries at work, of course. But now the team at Bowers, Hassan, and Herndon can help you with family laws from divorce to custody to even child support. Save this number, update this number in your phone now if you haven't done it already, 667-220-6500. Any, call, t- call or text them anytime for your needs. Update that number one more time, 667-220-6500. Get the team at Bowers, Hassan, and Herndon on the case for you. I'm excited, man. I'm not wasting any time. Joining us now is almost, I guess, tradition at this point leading up to the NFL draft. Like you said, the artist formerly known as Late Round Corner, now found at LR Chibs on Twitter. We're going to have to figure out what the fuck happened there with that. Uh, we, we call him Chibs, Mr. Michael Telfer. Welcome to the show. Woo! What's Thanks, up, brother? Boys. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, man. This is like you said, it's this almost a been a better tradition, tradition at this now. point, right? It's been like three years in a row with this. Time. Yeah, <laughs> it has, man. I didn't well, get all started with that fucking Hakeem Butler shit. Oh God, Ugh, that was not That's me. That was uh, that was our boy. The uh, I can't think of his name right now from YouTube that was high on that guy. Oh yeah. Jesus! Thank God we didn't go down that path. Uh, uh, terrible decision. Well, man, draft now two days away. Two days away. Uh, what's draft like 
like for you, man? Is it is it anything like us? Because for us, it's anxiety ridden, filled with the bramble and pizza and beer. <laughs> What's draft night look for you? Is it kind of like a holiday, like most people see it as fans? So, I think like most people know that I probably love the draft season more than I love like the actual regular season of football. Right. Uh, so one thing that I do, I, I don't necessarily take the day off and being a business owner now, it's a little difficult to take the day off. Um, but I definitely make sure that I am out of work with plenty of time yeah. to get prepared for it and line up the, you know, the bad puns that I have for the player's name and just, I'm like a kid on Christmas when it's draft day. I don't care if it's day one, two, day three. I little, I, I slack a little bit, but days <laughs> one and two, I'm, I'm definitely all in. Glued to the TV, man. You and me. Do you, both. Do you have a Do you have a, a drink of choice during draft night or a food of choice for us? It was It was pizza and beer last year, and Ryan had heartburn out. Oh the my ass god, last worst year. night of Ryan's life. <laughs> it was horrible for him. <laughs> but what, what's your go to? I, I mean, it's the same answer. It's, Anything else, man? Uh, you know, if I'm going to have a drink, it's going to be bourbon. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been drinking a lot lately. I don't think I've had a drink. Yeah. I mean, I had a beer a few weeks ago when I was grilling. But other than that, that's the first, like, drink I've had in, man. Good for you. Year. Nice. Good for you, man. Good for you. I'm ben, sure you're feeling better. Busy life, man. It's too busy. Too busy, right? Ah, oh, man. I'm no. better. I'm a flooring contractor. I never feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that pain. I do, for sure. Now, you've been around on Ravens Flock Twitter as long as I have, I guess, at this point. It's To me, it's almost humorous to watch everyone do their predictions and mocks as this thing kind of counts down for the last couple of months. Everybody at this point. I mean, where they mock everybody? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Seemingly, they do enough mocks to cover all their bases. That way, they can point out that one mock that says, oh, I see, I was right. I knew who it was. Uh, how do you feel about mock draft season? I mean, are you a big mocker out there? Do you do it a lot on social media? Uh, so, I used to do it a lot more than I do now. Now, I have like certain points during the pre draft process where I'll release a mock, or if someone is like asking for mocks to grade them. I'll throw one out there just to see what the general feeling is of fan base or something like that. Uh, like I did one today that was, I, it was damn near perfect. Oh uh, yeah. In my opinion. <laughs> um, I did see that. I wasn't going to call you on it, but I, I did see that. Oh dude, it, it started off with like Jermaine Johnson at 14 and then Roger McCreary at 45. And then the board just fell perfectly after uh, that. I, I was, that sounds pretty good. After. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I got like James Cook at a hundred and uh, I don't know Kingsley somewhere in there and Daniel. The, the question. The and, question is: Is did you have trades turned on? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not paying the draft network pass. <laughs> right, my right, man. All right. My man. <laughs> so all right. So obviously ED, EDC right is beloved by Ravens flock for the most part. Uh, but you have another side of the fan base that thinks, you know, he gets too much love or, or isn't held to the same standard as uh, GMs because he's he's riding Ozzy's coattails. And this is all coming off of Ozzy, especially with Ozzy still being around. But he's been in the organization for a long time now. How do you sit back and are you assessing his drafting so far this year and, you know, moving forward as the primary GM for the Ravens organization? So... 
there's a few things I want to say on this matter. One of them is like the people that trash EDC all the time. Like these are the same people that became Ravens fans when Lamar Jackson was drafted. Yep. Yep. They're not actually Ravens fans or they're 12 fucking years old and they have no <laughs> idea what they're talking about. Like the majority of these people are either trolls or complete imbeciles. And I don't care if they hear this and they take offense to it. Like they're the trash part of the fan base. <laughs> now, I'm not going to say that EDC has been perfect. He's obviously had some misses. Yeah. Uh, but the other side of that is that he's been the GM, what, three years? You can't judge a draft class until three years have passed. Not really. I mean, you can give your initial impressions of it and everything like that, but you don't know what the draft class is. You don't know what the players are for a few years. Right, yeah. So if you want to judge his first draft class, sure. His second one, you can start to judge it. His third one, you can't judge yet. Right. Now, I get that people are upset that Jalen Ferguson has not, uh, he's not advanced as quickly as his nickname, Sack Daddy, stupid fucking name anyway, uh, <laughs> made them think that he was going to improve. Uh, like, I'm sorry that people are mad that Orlando Brown is with the Chiefs. I'm sorry for this and sorry for that. But the other side of it is, like I said, like these people are just, Somebody started the EDC sucks thing, and then all of these little fan accounts yep. that think they're big names that pander and say shit for clicks and likes—they're the ones that are pushing that narrative. A hundred percent. All the clickbaiters, right? There's nobody that takes football seriously that is pushing that narrative. Now, does he have big shoes to fill? Absolutely. Yep. Ozzy was Hall of Fame GM. Yep. And his last draft was something of a master class. Yep. So, yes, he has big shoes to fill. But the draft, there's a lot of luck involved with the draft. And uh, you have to count on these players to execute and improve. And if they don't do it, a lot of that is on the player. It's not on the coach. It's not on the GM. It's not on the owner. It's nothing like that. It's the 100%. player themselves. But people need someone to blame. Exactly. And that's what it is. I mean, it's like you said, I think you summed it up well. It's, it's, it's too early to tell what his you know run as a GM is going to look like. He is not, you know, he hasn't been perfect. No GM is. But like you said, he's following the shadow of one of the greatest to ever do it. No. And if that is the bar, if that is always going to be the bar, then that bar is ridiculous. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you <laughs> and, and from, here's, here's the other thing, too, right? And I'm sorry for stepping on toes there, but like, people don't take into account that EDC had a huge hand in some of these drafts before 100%. he actually became the GM. Right. So these things that they're praising Ozzy for, Eric had a big hand in that. Yeah. So you can't praise Ozzy and say Eric is trash at the same time. You, you can't do it. Well, and you, you also, if you, anybody that looks at that looks at that isn't also looking at the value. EDC is one of we've said it multiple times on the show. EDC is the one of the the best to do it with finding the biggest bang for the lowest buck. He is really good at that. He's fi he finds guys that can make impacts, guys that everybody else is overlooking, right? The guy that I, I know he got injured, but before he got injured, I pointed to him as being the prime example was LJ Fort. Yeah. LJ Fort wow. made an impact on this team, and we got him at relatively low cost. And when you're starting to do that, and you're starting to look at some of these value players, impact mm. style players that don't everybody's looking off. And you say, okay, EDC is bringing these guys in, 
and these guys are playing at calibers of money that that's why some of these guys go elsewhere is because they they've shown what they can do and everybody so, else is w- willing to overpay them. to that point i mean that's the totality of the gm job right you're right. looking at everything that the gm it's not does. just one thing where where edc is getting most of his critic you know his critics on twitter and social media is from his draft class not what he does in his trade ability not what he does in free agent signings those have been pretty good and everybody's been pretty happy with that except for the, obviously the big earl thomas miss but who could have predicted that nobody saw that coming no um but, but that- yeah but the the other part of that is too you have idiots like at lamar heisman yeah. who say edc is the worst gm in the nfl the mute like, button is a beautiful thing my marcus friend Peters and Calais campbell <laughs> like you can't love marcus Peters and Calais campbell being on the ravens and then say edc is the worst gm in the nfl exactly like, fuck off yeah no <laughs> exactly. and, and to your point james i think you like like fred said you hit the nail on the head when it comes to the draft side of things it, when i look at it you can't judge a lot of these guys to the to your point there hit or miss type situations. That's why, why do you think the Ravens love to stockpile draft picks, especially EDC over his tenure so far? He's had, I believe, m- m- the most draft picks in this time span than we've ever had. Right, and it's because he's looking and he's taking that gamble and saying, "I'm willing to take the gamble, and more shots I take, the more likely I am to hit." Right, right? the more the more. Uh, money you put down on the roulette table. Well, guess what? You're bound to hit somewhere, right? right? So that's what's happening. But sometimes you hit big on the on the smallest bet, and sometimes you don't. It's the gamble that you take and, with the NFL draft. How many times have we seen first rounders not work out? Right, and they're in a good position this year with, like I said, uh, you know, nine picks. I think it's in the first, the first four, four rounds. rounds, right? So they've yeah. got a ton of ammo this year, and we'll see what they do. But let's talk positional needs and priorities before we dive into like potential picks, right? Because in my opinion, we have about four or five positional groups with major holes or needs at this point. So no particular order. We'll start at at the most obvious, I think, which is the outside rush, right? You got Owe coming into a second year, Bowser coming off an Achilles injury. Like you mentioned earlier, Ferguson. I will argue with you immediately. Okay, all right, bear with me. Let me get through this, right? So so, so okay. Ferguson, like you said, at times he's been kind of tough to watch, uh, especially as a rush threat. Uh, you got Hayes coming into his second year, right? Didn't play a whole lot coming off the injury, played a couple of snaps last year. Justin Houston, gone for now. Uh, Pernell McPhee potentially retiring, right? So there are some question marks there. I'm not saying it's the the biggest need, but it is a definite need. But go ahead and make your case. So I'm not going to argue with you in the way you think that I am. No, you're good. I don't think it's just the outside pass rush. Okay. I want pass rush from anywhere we can get it. And the interior pass rush has been a question mark for the Ravens for a long time. Agree with that. So if you have guys like, let's just throw a hypothetical situation in here, right? Mm Because everybody loves Jordan Davis. So if you got Jordan Davis, Mike Pierce, Calais Campbell clogging the interior, then you're opening stuff up for guys like Jalen Hayes or uh, Odafe Owe or even Jalen Ferguson to, they have clearer lanes on the outside. So I understand that like outside linebackers, they get all the sacks and everything like that. And it's flashy and everyone loves like the sack number, even though that's not the end all be all set for a pass rusher. But if you can get sacks from the interior, 
I think it's just as important as the outside. You hit the nail on the head that, you know, the second spot that this is a spot that, that Fred and I do agree on as far as being a, a spot that it's going to be a focus is that really that defensive line as a whole, right? You're getting Campbell back, but you know, how many snaps is he actually going to get? How right. effective is he going to be right? Uh, you've got big baby. Who's now gone. You replace him with Michael Pierce. Okay. Derek Wolf back injury who the hell knows when he's coming back if he ever comes back right, from what we've if. been hearing mcphee most likely probably going to retire or if somehow he comes back it is on an absolute minimum deal with the ravens if they're going to offer him anything and then you got mata beast and broderick washington going into year three some production out of both of those but not not the full production that we w- would have thought we did see and we did hear that Matabuike did make some leaps last year yeah, hopefully he it makes wasn't another as big leap. of a, a, a leap as everybody had hoped I think the fan base was really really high on him I know I was high going into the preseason that he would make a big jump from year one to year two I, I still yeah, think right. he was a very effective player it just wasn't quite where I expected him to be year two I think that's because people expected Mads to be Aaron Donald Right. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. And that goes back to the whole like pandering, like quick bait, like, you know, young kid uh, mentality is that I think a lot of people have expectations that are set too high. Right. Yeah. So I understand that people want great. I want great. I want Super Bowl rings. Absolutely. However, you can't have expectations that are that high. I think Mads is going to be a great player. You also have to take into account that the rest of the defense was demolished right. by injury. And once players start going down, that in turn makes it harder on other players to produce. Quick snapshot of your feelings on bringing Michael Pierce back. Were you happy with that signing? Do you think it was a good value? Uh, I'm not sure about the value. Yeah, he played in limited games in 2021, right? Uh, but he did produce his highest uh well, I guess production in his last year with the Vikings. So if he continues on that trend, I'm absolutely cool with it. Um, I would like to see him get replaced by a younger player halfway through the year. Uh, if we have one that's producing better than him, I would like to see him get pushed out. I don't think he is your starting caliber ideal uh, DL. So he's basically the stopgap for now with hopes that they fill that position through the draft, uh, hopefully this year. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. So let's move on to your favorite position group, cornerback, right? Because, uh, I mean, it's it's yeah. a major need here, man. They lost a You've ton. got him drooling. I don't even need to see a picture of him. He's drooling right now. I can hear it. Well, that's just because I want to fight about it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I mean, when you look at the totality of this thing, man, they lost a ton through free agency. Anthony Aver, gone. Tavon Young, gone. Chris Westry, gone. Jimmy Smith, potentially retiring retiring as well. Your two studs and Marlon and Marcus coming back from injuries. Uh, this is a big concern of mine as the roster stands today. You do have Brandon Stevens and our Darius Washington out there who could slide in at the nickel and help out if need be. Probably more our Darius Washington because I think the team stands to be pretty high on Brandon Stevens as a rotational safety back yeah. there. Uh, yeah. But not sure that's the best plan moving forward. I think that this is definitely going to be an area that they target in this draft. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you. Yeah. Uh, I, you either look for and then, man, they could go one of three ways. Okay, first, they could draft a true outside corner. Uh, you know, a guy like Stingley, 
Right. Uh, and you would, that would push Marlon inside to the slot. And then, I mean, you're taken care of at that point, uh, assuming no injuries. They could go for a true slot corner like Roger McCreary at 45. Right. Uh, and then you have Marcus and Marlon outside, Roger inside. Uh, or you get a guy with versatility. There's uh, a few guys in the, the middle round that I really like as far as versatility goes. Uh, and that kind of gives you a little bit of an insurance policy if something happens to one of the outside guys. Um, because then you could move, you know, the versatile guy outside and then our Darius Washington would go into the slot. Exactly. Uh, and I mean, I, I'm still pretty high on our Darius Washington. Um, you know, I like this teammate much more than him. Uh, but I do think as a slot guy, our Darius is probably, I think my slot CB three maybe last year right so the fact that he went on drafted was wild to me right I, I personally i think beyond just finding out whether they need that extra boundary guy and sliding marlin in or bringing in a new slot guy they need at least at the very minimum at least two guys 100%. at this because they yes. i mean you saw what happened last year with all the injuries and how god awful that secondary was when guys started going down especially from a communication standpoint you've got to have the depth there well, if you want to be one of the top or top echelon teams you can't just have a lucky rabbit foot in your back pocket <laughs> and hopefully nobody gets fucking hurt right exactly and that's that's my thing here right you have to you have to do two things in this draft you have to look whether it's early whether it's mid or I don't think it's made late. I think to Chibs' point, right? You know, it's it's one of those things. I think it's this is where they pick up a mid rounder, right? And a guy that they could wind up getting to be their future corner. He's a little bit of a project, not necessarily the starter day one, but he's you know he can fill in as as he gets to the NFL level. Maybe a fourth, fifth rounder, so, fifth round guy that could come in and be that future cornerback because you have two guys that you're paying a lot of fucking money to right, right now, right? So there's a couple of guys on day three that kind of fit that bill too. At that point, you're talking about like Zion McCollum, uh, Josh Joby, guys like that. Uh, Kobe Bryant probably goes on day two, um, but he's another like end of day two guy. And those three guys for sure, there's a few other names, um, Armour Davis. Those guys could come in and redshirt and be pretty good starters in 2023, maybe 2024, depending on how contracts play out. Right, but right. the other part of it is, too, that if you just get one guy in the draft, which I think they come away with at least two corners, right? Yeah. but if you just came away with one or two guys in the draft, there are still good free agents. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Callahan, you know, a couple other guys that could fit into the slot. Uh, it, you sign one of those guys after the draft, and all of a sudden your cornerback room looks a lot better than it does you know, on April twenty fifth, two thousand twenty two. Not to mention, <laughs> not to mention, let's let's not forget the rate. One of the one of the one of the best things the Ravens are good at is signing those undrafted free agents. They are on the phone before the draft is even over with those undrafted guys. I feel like with with the hey, why don't we let's talk? Let's talk when this is all yeah. over and because they're so good at doing that, and that's that's why they've had depth over the past several years because they're getting those yeah, guys. Yeah, but you're not banking on any of those guys being an impact player year no, one. No, but you're, you're, you're banking on them being depth for your practice, practice squad, squad and, yeah. and for long term. Absolutely. right? If you run into an issue, you have the depth there. We've seen that they've been able to do well at that. Well, let's talk about so the next position. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. One more thing. Yeah. So even if they get their, their full 10 draft picks, right, if they walk away with 10 players in the draft, 
they're going to have space for like 15 or 17 undrafted free agent players. Right. Like you're kind of betting on one of those guys. Like if you can find the Kurt Warner of cornerback <laughs> at a grocery I mean, store, a spot, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's absolutely true. But I, I think your point's great. And I said that last week is that there are some options out there in free agency that you don't force the pick if it's not there, but the need for at least two, if not three guys is yeah. definitely there, whether it's through the draft or free agency. But let's talk uh, the next position group. Shout out to our boy Cole Jackson because this is his favorite uh, position group, <laughs> offensive line. If you're not following Cole Jackson, you're missing out, man. Follow him on Twitter. I don't know his – you don't know his handle off the top of your it, head, do you? It, yeah, it's at Cole Jackson SB as in football. Man, that yeah. guy's popularity has gone through the roof. And the amount of time that he's putting into the the research and all the projects I've, that he's I've working been with on him on a, big things. I've been, with, been on, him on a, a few spaces with him on Twitter. and he, He's a hell of a he, guy, too, man. He, he loves – he is a target, and he, he can get real deep on you with some of the information. So it's, he's, he's been interesting to, oh, to listen to him on. One more thing about the corners, too. Yeah. There's been some chatter about uh, a white team, the Giants, oh, uh, yeah. and James Bradbury being moved. I've heard that. I also heard that a certain team in purple reached out about Bradbury. Why would the Vikings want Bradbury? <laughs> well, dude, the Vikings need corners. <laughs> they need everything. Holy <laughs> shit. Uh, but uh, if the Ravens can come away with a guy like Bradbury for, I don't know, one of the 19 fourth-round picks that they have, that's a steal as well. And yeah. there's your outside guy. Then you put Marlon inside, boom, boom, boom. Then you draft whoever. Right. Yeah. Right. Now that's very true. All right, so offensive line, right? Because we got some interesting news that came out today. Um, you know, they, they, we, we've been worried about Ronnie Stanley and the health of Ronnie Stanley, and we talked about this, that we didn't want to go into this year with the hope that he was going to be okay and not have an insurance policy. I mean, we obviously the Villanueva project did not work out very well last year, um, and, you know, we were scrambling for help on the left side of the line, yeah. right? Um so how healthy actually is he? Go ahead, James. It's smoke. Right it's now. it could be. I mean, everything around the draft you always expect <laughs> to be smoke, right? Um, but face. everything that they're saying is that he's responding well uh, to the, you know his recovery and everything, and that he will be ready for the 2022 situation for the 2022 season. Uh, but I still I still don't feel comfortable <laughs> with that, right? Uh, and I don't think the Ravens want to go through another season like they did, like they did last year. Uh, you got Juwan James, who hasn't played football in a hot minute. <laughs> so we don't really know what we have there. Uh, is he more of a left or right side guy? Remains to be seen in this does, offense. I was going to say, does he fit in the scheming? Right? right. Does, can can he block in this scheming? Right. Same with same with Moses Malone. Well, Moses Malone, they did sign him to be the right tackle guy, and that's where he's played. Morgan and he's done. Moses. Morgan Moses. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moses Malone. That's what it says. I, I messed up. I think I typed that wrong. Uh, so yeah, it, that's they brought him in to be on the right side of the line. You did that. Uh, so that's yeah, I did. Uh, to short up. <laughs> Then you're, uh, are you sold on Macari and Castillo manning the center position? I mean, the Ravens say that they're okay and that they're comfortable with Macari at the center position. How do you feel about this offensive line group as it stands right now? So as it stands right now, like if you're banking on health, then you have Ronnie Stanley at left tackle. You have Ben Cleveland or Tyree Phillips right. uh, at left guard. And then you have, we're going to say Macari because let's face it, they didn't pay Mercari that much money to be on the bench. Right. So it would be Mercari at center. Then you have Kevin Zeitler at right guard. And at right tackle, you have Morgan Moses. So, I mean, that's an above average offensive line. 
Uh, it might even be good. So the thing with Tyree Phillips, right? I mentioned him because people hated him at tackle, and they absolutely should have hated him at tackle. But he's good at guard. He's good. Yep, agreed. Yeah. So um, you know, you got to keep that in mind when you hear that name. Right. So I'm not the biggest offensive line guy. I don't. I, I don't claim to be. I generally refer to Cole if I need to figure something out there. Right. But. I don't think offensive line, if we're assuming health, offensive line is not as big of a need as people have made it out to be. And I'm not so sure that the Long Stanley thing is necessarily smoke because I'm not sure that the team would have released that if it was smoke. Like, it might think, make people think that they're not looking at an offensive tackle, but I also don't think they were necessarily looking at an offensive tackle to begin with. If that makes sense. But uh, I, I think the thing with that with that statement though would be the fact that just you know a month ago we weren't sure if Ronnie Stanley was ever going to come back, and now all of a sudden in a month we went from oh yeah we're really not sure we're not sure the severity of this to now oh he's going to be ready for the season. There's a little bit of smoke one way or the other. So it, the smoke was a month ago or the smoke is now, which is why I think so many people are questioning, is the smoke now? Because now you're trying to get people off the scent and say, oh, yeah, we've got we've got this guy, our guy. We're going to stick with him because we paid him. And it gets people thinking you're going to go a different direction. And then you wind up going the direction that they aren't thinking you're going. So it's that's where I think people are coming from, is that it's, you have such this Jurassic, Jurassic change in a narrative in just a few weeks time. That's the, the piece. It, it's to that point, it's either smoke then or smoke now, which I think that's why a lot of people were leaning towards smoke now, because Ronnie even seemed to when he was did his last interview was he wasn't sure. I mean, we saw him jogging backwards on the beach right and that enough for you scott sure so, <laughs> so my question would be who started the whole ronnie may never play again thing? right does anyone know who started that no no i, mean, I can't say who yeah exactly it's where cool. it came from so but it, it went all over like the place yeah i mean what if it was adam Schefter, let's go ahead and just get the biggest <laughs> brain of thought we can fucking find but like if it's not in Rappaport or jeff or sarah or someone like that reporting that you know, Ronnie may never play again, then who gives a shit? Right. People see things on Twitter that come from, like, Reddit, some random guy yeah. on Reddit saying, well, I heard, like, Ronnie may never play again because it's nerve damage or something like that. Like, who cares? Right? So people buy into these narratives and they run with them and then it spreads through the fan base like wildfire. Right. And then when something like this happens, especially around draft time, People are like, oh, well, that's smoking. Why is it so hard for people to be positive? Right. Yeah, don't get me wrong. When I was first on Twitter, you guys know I'm negative. I was mean <laughs> all the time, super negative. But why is it? So it's a little odd for me to be like, why is it so hard to be positive? But I've grown as a human. Right. And I've learned that, like, it's okay to be positive sometimes, guys. Right. It's okay. So don't freak out on day one when they don't take Trevor Pennant. Actually, half the fan base would be happy if they don't take Trevor Penning, let's yeah. be honest. But you get the point. <laughs> right. Yeah, and this this report came from Rappaport, too. So, I mean, if there's anybody who's, you know, reputable or anybody I trust in the NFL world. So, the, I just as we were talk, as we were talking, I kind of looked it up. So, as of a month ago, as of one month ago, according to the CBS Fantasy, it was Jameson Hensley reported Harbaugh saying in the presser that they had no timetable for Stanley's return. So I'm I think sorry, that's during the liars luncheon. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's so that's that's to the point that I was making earlier. Though it was either smoke then or it's smoke now. Liars' luncheon's always smoke. right. I mean, exactly. But that's when that's where people John run with Harbaugh it. Ever said anything meaningful? Right. Especially when it comes to injuries. Exactly. Especially when it comes to injuries. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So the tight end group's another position with a need that doesn't, I don't think it's talked about enough, at least in my opinion. As the offense is designed now, I think it flourishes more in a two receiving tight end threat. Uh, Beyond Mark Andrews, who is that threat, right? You got Nick Boyle, who isn't the Boyle he once was, and I don't think he ever will because of that leg injury. I mean, it was devastating, right? So I don't think he'll ever be 100% again. And again, first priority with him was always blocking. It wasn't receiving. That was just an added benefit. Uh, The thing with that, though, is is Oliver, Josh Oliver, was he was kind of showing and coming into his own. He showed flashes, right? It wasn't, but he also didn't get that many chances. They didn't, that's the big thing here is, I'd love to see them have a tight end and go with three tight end sets, but we've seen them have tight ends in Tomlinson out there with Boyle. We've seen them have uh, Tomlinson and Oliver, which Oliver was supposed to be that guy that was, he was sure hands. He would be that guy that could be, they could catch, but they didn't do a whole lot of three tight end sets. So that's my only thing. I love the idea of the three tight end set because I think they proved that it worked with the right personnel. You have to find the right combination of personnel do we have it now? Maybe. Listen, Go ahead. they can make three tight end sets work with Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst as rookies, and then your receivers being Willie Sneed and whoever, Seth Roberts or whoever the hell. <laughs> right. like, if they can make it work with those guys, you can make it work by grabbing another move tight end and inserting him into the offense. Because you're right. In 2019, the offense was light years ahead of what we've seen Agreed. recently. But but so, to that uh, to that point, do you think that they underutilized or under under I don't want to say didn't give Oliver the chance to flourish because many people including myself thought that he would be he could be the guy that could kind of step into that role, but it didn't seem to me like they they were scheming that way whether that's uh uh what's his face not Scheming offensive coordinator. I can't think of his goddamn name right now. So Greg Roman. Roman. I kept Morning Wig kept coming into mind for some reason, but it's, I knew that wasn't it. So, but my whole point Morning with that. Morning Wig. Jesus I'm bad with names. All right, leave me alone. Uh, at least I can pronounce them right. So for me, Josh Oliver was that was that guy that could kind of come in and be be that little bit of a diamond in the rough. But we didn't really get the chance to see that. Do you think it's there, or do you think it's not there, and that they would need to draft it if they're going to go that route? I would prefer that they draft it if they're going to go that route, uh, mainly because, I mean, we've kind of seen Josh Oliver on the field and it didn't really go that well. Right. Now, I mean, part of it is definitely the Ravens outthinking themselves and being like, well, we did this in 2019, so other teams are going to expect it now and they're going to know how to defend it. So we got to evolve our offense. The problem with that is they couldn't stop it in 2019. So... Why not try it again and see what happens? So there's, I, I think you're fair in saying that Josh Oliver didn't really get uh, the opportunities that he should have. I also think it's fair to say that Josh Oliver is probably not the guy. Agreed. And then we don't know from an insider's perspective, was he having trouble picking up the offense? You know what I mean? He yeah. he fit the bill. He fit the bill as far as size and athleticism goes. But, you know, again, it was his first year into the system. Was he having a hard time picking up the terminology? Did he just not have a good rapport with Lamar? There's there's many of things that we just aren't privy to oh, that could have been you know, yeah. going on. Well, I mean, there's a reason that the Jaguars let him go for a conditional, you know, 
Mr. Irrelevant pick. You know what I mean? Right. So you got to take that into consideration too. Maybe he's just not the guy, which is fine. Maybe he flourishes elsewhere, which is fine. Good for him. However, if he's not going to help the Ravens offense, no point in having Right. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little draft strategy, right? Because I talked about this earlier. I mean, historically, the Ravens love to stockpile picks. And again, they're in a situation this year where they've got 10 total, nine in the first four rounds. Uh, We've seen them move back in the draft to grab even more picks time after time. I mean, that's just what they've done. Uh, But I need to remind you, 2016, what that class looked like when we were in a very, very similar situation, right? We had eight picks in the first four rounds. It was that whole mantra of just, hey, take as many shots as you can, and you're going to miss on some, but maybe you'll find you know, a shot in the dark. Yeah, You would got Ronnie Stanley. We missed a lot. We missed a lot that year. Missed a lot. Yeah. That was a Bronson Caputi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you had uh, Kamale Correa. You had Chris Chris Moore, who stuck around for a while, but just never, you know, really contributed. That's because he was a damn special teams guy. Yeah, Listen, we're not going to talk about Chris Moore. Right, <laughs> we're not. We'll have to you had Alex Lewis, Willie Henry, Kenneth Dixon, uh, Matt Judon was the big hit late in that. Keenan Reynolds, uh, Maurice Canada, who stuck around for a few years. Oh, we're not, not going to talk about him. <laughs> But I'm just saying, like, so it doesn't always work out. Let's put it this way. Who in the 2016 draft can we talk about? (laughs) Right. Well, I I literally can't talk about Maurice Kennedy's agent asking not to. So, (laughs) (laughs) Out of respect for Alex, I I won't do it anymore. (laughs) All right. All right. (laughs) Well, I mean, we've heard the rumors going around today uh, that maybe this is the year, right? Maybe this is the year that the Ravens use some of those picks and some of the ammo that they have to actually move up mm-hmm. in the draft. Could that be their strategy this year? I mean, what do you see potentially shaking out here in this draft? Do you think this is more of a stand pat year, or do you think they move around? All right, so here's the thing, right? One, one notion I want to dispel is that the Ravens move back more than they move up. Uh, I haven't checked the numbers since like 2019 or something like that. So between 2019 and 2022, maybe this has changed. But uh, before then, the Ravens had actually moved up 51% of the time uh, and moved back. So essentially they moved up more than they moved back. Interesting. Uh, Yeah, it's weird. Maybe not always in the first round, but those are how the numbers fell out. I don't view this as a super soft heavy draft. If you're talking about a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Derek Stingley, uh, Jermaine Johnson, um, let's see, who else? Uh, maybe if like an Evan Neal felt, I would probably jump up for him for sure, regardless right. of what the tackle situation is. Right. Um, if you're talking about guys like that that fall to like 10, yeah, go get them. Absolutely. Don't care what it takes. Make it happen. Kyle Hamilton, that's obviously one of them. Um, which the overthinking on him is absolutely absurd. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, you have this seems like a draft where the meat of it is after the first 12, 15 picks. Right. Um, where you're going to get very good players, top tier players at the back half of the first round and second round and even into the third round because we don't know that the draft boards always fall a little weird. And the fact that there's no like consensus top five players or even top one player uh, in this draft makes me think that 
moving up is only going to be for maybe two or three specific guys unless the QB or wide receiver needy team thinks that guys are going to go super early. Or the so other... I, or the other scenario that you could see here, too, is the Ravens stay pat at 14, but the other side of it could be taking some of those middle picks and moving back into the first round again, kind of like they did with Lamar late in the first round, just simply to get that extra year, that fifth year right. of eligibility under the rookie contract. Well, especially since you're about to pay Lamar a mega contract, right? allegedly. So <laughs> Whenever that happens. Having a couple of rookies for five-year deals, like studs, is, is a good move to make. Right. Especially if you're looking at guys like, can you imagine a scenario where they stand pat at 14, Jermaine Johnson falls, boom, you get a fast rusher, right? Right. And then you can move back in to the end of the first round and pick up a guy like, I mean, there's no way Derek Stingley falls that far, but if Derek Stingley's there, you move up and take him, and then you got your fast rusher and your, or even if you want to move back up and maybe grab David Ajabo. Well, I was saying, was, because now you add right. Jermaine Johnson and Odafi out always, and then you're like, oh, well, now I got Ojabo for 2023. So exactly, yeah, and I think to to your point, right, the Stingley thing. Ideally, a lot of people don't think he's going to fall, but we've seen we've seen other guys fall up, go up the draft board. We've seen him be, fall a little bit, and I think the hesitation is the injury in a lot of the mock drafts, right, for a lot of yeah, people. But- but he had a Liz Frank injury and ran a 4.3. Right, right. exactly. Right. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. It is somehow if he falls for some reason because people aren't there, then, yeah, absolutely. You're trading back in and you're you're figuring out a way to make that yeah. happen. If he's still there at, at 24, I, anything after that, 25 through 32, I'm fine with him trading back in to get him. Right. 100%. I don't think he makes it past nine. Honestly, I don't think he makes it that. So you don't even think Stingley would be a guy that would be there. I know, and I know we're going to get into all these, but not at fourteen. Think he'll be there at fourteen. Yeah, we'll see. I I mean, the mock drafts have changed. They've they've evolved every day as we've gotten closer and closer to this thing. And he's moved up and down the board. Who knows? I mean, the the draft is such a wild card. Never it never goes like anybody's. So so let's do this. But here's the thing with mocks, right? So like the media or draft analysts or like just draft Twitter will lash on to a player and start talking about them. And it makes you perceive other players as falling. When in reality, it's just other players being brought to the forefront because people like new and shiny. Right. So, Ooh, squirrel. And (laughs) all of a sudden, sudden, Trent McDuffie is just a hot pick at 14 for no particular reason other than like somebody mentioned. Right. Right. So, and then in two weeks, ooh, squirrel. Derek Stingley might be there at 14. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but there it is. Yeah. yeah. It's well, true. the computer's completely random with the mocks, too. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, all right. So, before we, we really get into who the Ravens could, will, won't go after, we want to ask you give us your top three overall players in this draft. Because it's to a, your point, it's a weird year. It's a weird year, man. You don't have like the, the top echelon of the draft filled with quarterbacks. You don't have those two, three quarterbacks, or even with some years, we shit, we've seen four and five quarterbacks get yeah, early yeah. in the first round, right? You don't have that this year. It's kind of strange. Uh, so who are your three like can't miss guys in this draft? Again, it doesn't have to be Ravens related or positional related. Top three, like superstars in this draft. Okay, so just overall, not yeah. necessarily available. Okay, so Kyle Hamilton is the best player in this draft. Okay. Don't overthink it. Kyle Hamilton is I like him a lot the for many reasons. overall prospect, period. Okay. I don't care what people say about his 40 time. I don't care what people say, oh, he's a box safety. No. Kyle Hamilton, 108, period. 
Okay. Next is Derek Stingley. Wow. If you have Derek Stingley on a team that can bring him to his ceiling, which 2019 was not a ceiling, by the way. He's better than his 2019 tape showed. One of the best corners in the NFL. And the injury so, history doesn't worry you at all. Does not scare me. We see guys that get injured in college and they're never injured in the NFL. Okay. So I, I'm not worried about that. I'm not the old oh, injury. Like I, there was a guy that told me today that David Ajabo was now trash because he had an Achilles injury. I'm just, I'm not here for that stuff. Um, number three, probably Aiden Hutchinson. Okay. Uh, I like what he did in Michigan. Um, I like his attitude, his motor. Uh, an argument could be made for me to say Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, but that's probably just because he somehow referenced Spades in an interview today, and that just immediately boosted his thought for me. So. Right. I So for me, I, I think I agree with most of your picks. The, the tough one that I would like exclude in that top three might be Evan Neal just because he has such a high floor. Like That guy is already solid. It could be a day one starter yeah, right away. That. No question. Yeah. Uh, and he's just got a perfect body for a left left tackle. I mean, he's not he doesn't have a whole lot of fat on his body at all. Athletic is all get out. His footwork looks good from everything that I've seen. I'm not a big offensive line guy, but he is a guy that could come in and be a difference maker at left tackle for anybody. Yeah, in my opinion. So I like Icky more than I like Neil. Really, at tackle. If we're being honest, uh, but I uh, it's extremely close. Okay. All right. All right. Well, before we talk about the names and the players specifically, James, give us a social media shout out, man. Who's been in the chat room? Any good questions? Anything um, that everybody's saying? The chat room has been lit. Like, good. My paper good, man. is filled like from top to bottom. <laughs> um, well, give me, give me, give us three questions or three statements. Uh, your top three well, out of there. I have two uh, because mostly every everything, but the top two have been like basically what everybody's saying. Like Vinny has said, um, I think we should trade. Uh, back in the first and sort of do like how we got Lamar and and, and Hurst that year. So trading back into the bottom end. Later, yep. later in, and then uh, Dave said he wants to just trade back and like uh, maybe get like some better picks to use, have more in the second. So so the the problem with that though is it's finding a trade partner. You know what I mean? Especially in a draft like this where the word is that like every team is like, hey, there's going to be a bunch of good guys in the second. So finding a trade partner to trade back with and to give up those second round picks, which are considered premium picks, that's a tough act. Yeah, and, and another thing that we haven't really discussed is like this year the quarterbacks are not like, oh, I have to have. So right. now we right. we sort of get screwed because a guy that we need a defensive end or a corner is going to get taken a little bit higher than exactly. years past. So it sucks. So I'm hoping that – we have like the the Raiders, but the Raiders are not in like the high picks well, anymore. And then apparently, like you know, Dallas says they're going to trade up because they, you know, they they like their. I was thinking too. NFC East. You got the the Eagles have what is it? It's three picks in the, in like eight picks or something like that that they yeah, have. They've, well, they've, they've, they've got, got, got three trading with the, the Saints and all that. Right, but like, but if somebody wants to get out in front of them, if somebody in the NFC East like like a Dallas or a Washington or the Giants, if they think they've got something, if they want to trade up. They would be the trade partners because you want they want to get in front of the Eagles, their division rival, to take a guy that maybe the Eagles are looking at. And so from then, what I've heard, the Giants want to move out of the top ten with one of their picks. I'm going to assume it's probably number seven because I'm sure they want to keep five away. I've heard the Eagles want to move up 
and then I've heard Dallas wants to move up. But this, like I said, I'm 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 excited about Thursday because this is going to be a different draft than we have ever seen. I think like we might choke on some food a little bit <laughs> because of, of this. But like like there are not really no like quarterbacks that say hey. They're flying off the board, so we're going to get our guy. Like that's why that's kind of why I think we might actually move up in this draft from fourteen is because you get a team like Carolina, right? Who is it? I think six or eighteen or, or six. six or eight overall. They're eight. six. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I think a team like that who is in the market for a quarterback has already turned down the Baker Mayfield thing. Yeah. Feels like they could get that Malik Willis or, or somebody whoever they want at fourteen and get some extra ammo later in those mid-rounds, and the Ravens move up to six to maybe get yeah. a Thibodeau either or way, a Stingley or something well, Either like way, that. they're probably so, going to be back up high in the draft next year so they can get their quarterback. So Carolina good. is a really good trade-up option because they pick at six, right. and then like 161 is their next pick. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so well, I think I mean, that's a good fit for the Ravens to move up, especially again, but, if they've got their guy, if they've if Thibodeau is their yeah. guy or Stingley is their guy or whoever it might be, that sixth spot is a real good spot to potentially land one of those guys, in my opinion. And, oh yeah. Uh, and Dave Dave said a uh, question for Terps fans. Uh, any sneaky Terps in the draft this year? We we discussed some, so yeah. you want to go over a couple of I mean, you, you know, I'm I'm, and, I'm real and, high and on Chigakonkwo. So. I'm real high on Chigakonkwo as a tight end. I think he'd be a good fit in this offense. I understand maybe size-wise he doesn't have the height, uh, but I think his versatility in this offense can be used in multiple facets. Uh, Nick Cross, I think he's a super underrated safety in this draft. I think he's probably going to go late third, early fourth. Uh, I would love to see him on this team if we don't get a uh, Kyle the Hamilton. Ter- the, or, the you know, season really hurt him because he had to cover for too many guys, and it wound up hurting what would be his value. He'd be he'd probably his, be higher. His versatility and his he can play. He's a track guy, right? So he can run. Right. He can be that free guy, but he can also play in the box. There's a lot I like about Nick Cross. So, I don't yeah. know if you have any opinion on him. And have you, you looked gotta, at him at all? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a box safety. Yeah, okay. At the next level. Yeah, he does, I mean, which is fun. Uh, you know, he could even play some, some linebacker if he needed to. He's like, uh, he'd be Anthony Levine, kind of. But, it, you know, higher ceiling. Okay, I like it. And Sam O, another guy who could go late in the draft. Just brought it up. Yeah, Sam O could go late in the draft, maybe an undrafted free agent. He's almost like a Corey Redding kind of guy. If you remember him back in the day, he reminds me a lot of yeah. him and his ability. I think he'd be a, a. I think he's going very, very underrated. He at his pro day smashed all of the strength and conditioning tests compared to what everybody was doing at the combine bench reps and all that stuff. I know you don't take a whole lot of that with you, but it's got to mean something. Uh, and again, watching him firsthand at all the home games, he's a, he's a dominant player. Yeah, so don't forget if Nick does go in the third round, you guys get some nice, uh, some nice swag. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all I right. So it. let's, uh, let's talk about some names, the players, the guys most commonly being mocked in the Ravens in the first round, and get your quick takes on each of them. Fred, a lot I'll of, let you, a lot of them we've already talked about, man. But I'm going to start with, again, the group that you know best, DBs, <laughs> right? So I know you've been foaming at the mouth to talk about these guys, especially one in particular, the guy that <laughs> most fans, most fans are drooling over, the guy that I think if you are going to trade up, a lot of Ravens fans would like to see them add. Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati, 6'3", 190 pounds, seems to do very well at zone and press coverage on tape, good ball skills. Is he what you would consider an elite boundary corner or no? Buddy guarded grocery baggers 
for most of his career. <laughs> like the level of competition, I feel like just isn't really there for Gardner. Like, yeah, he had some good games against SEC teams, namely Alabama this year, but like that's a very small sample size if you're going to call him an elite corner. Okay. So I, I'm not as high on Gardner as most people are. Plus, I think Sauce is a really stupid fucking nickname. <laughs> I 100% uh, agree with you, and thank you for saying it. But like, so the kid doesn't have any technique. He, it, like, his technical and his technical refinement is just non-existent. So I'm a guy who loves a corner who can ball hawk. But if you're going to be a ball hawk corner, you're going to take chances. And if you take chances, you have to have the technique to back it up just in case you make a bad decision. Marcus Peters can do that. Right. All right. So Scott Gardner cannot do that. And then, you know, he's penalized and he's, he's really handsy and I just, and he's, he's scrawny as shit. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, for, for, for a guy that high in the first round, you don't want to have that many question marks. And again, a smaller guy, it's, I don't know, doesn't yeah. fit the mold for me, especially for a guy you got to trade up and give up a lot of draft capital for. One thing that you mentioned, so, well, uh, go ahead, go ahead. A buddy of mine actually wrote an article, and it was titled something like, When Are Corners Too Tall? And Gardner, at his build, is too tall. Right. If you want to be that way, like one... 87 or something like that like you got to be a little bit shorter right yeah. yeah he's very lanky so one of the things you yeah. mentioned with sauce is, is kind of that downfall is the competition that, that he faced not necessarily a guy that he faced but it's a guy that he that he went through so Ger- Derek stingley at lsu six foot 190 pounds there's that little bit shorter frame let's talk about same very similar weight but there's practice footage of him locking down the one guy the Ravens really would like to see divisionally him or anybody locked down in Jamar Chase. So there's right. tape of him doing that. He gets high praise from Patrick Queen, another great ap- athlete. He's got exceptional ball skills, but again, the injury history. Obviously, you mentioned Stingley earlier, so you really seem to like Stingley. I mean, I love Stingley, dude. Like his hands are great, his feet are great, his he's a prototype build. Uh, he's a hell of an athlete. I just, he's fast enough. And obviously, I mean, you look at the practice stuff. This is, he knows Jamar Chase. So if you're worried about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T Higgins and whoever the fuck else on the Bengals, <laughs> like if you're worried about them, then Derek Stingley's your guy. You know what I mean? Like exactly. he's going to help you shut down the high flying teams like the Bengals and the, I guess the Chiefs, if they're still going to be high flying without Tyree Kale, uh, or even like the Dolphins or the Raiders, or you know, but the AFC is loaded right now. Jerry Judy and I am a yeah, Jerry Judy, uh, uh, Mike Williams. Uh, you know, if AJ Brown stays yeah. in Tennessee, guys like that, if Debo comes to the AFC, oh, like you need Christ. a defense to stop these guys from scoring. And somebody said to me one time. On my old account at Lay Around Corner, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, somebody was like, "You need to have an offense to outscore these guys," and I was like, "You need to have a fucking defense to stop them." Right. Like I get that everybody loves the offensive players and flash plays and touchdowns and the yards and this and that. Without a defense, football only football. Right. There's a reason people have, for years and years and years, have always gone to the adage. 
defense wins championships because defense is right. not def, the the lower the less you have another team score, the more likely you can do only one score and win a game. And it's it defense right. does truly win and you championships. Just, you just mentioned it a few minutes ago. Think about all the points that we put up in 2019 with the cast of characters that we had on that offense at that time. We were the leading scoring offense back then, right? Mm-hmm. And Lamar was just kind of getting his feet wet. It was his first full year in the offense. I think with a, a full gambit, you know, of, of no weapons, injuries yeah. and all his weapons and everything, offensively, I think we're going to be okay. Defensively, you got Joe Burrow and all the guys that are out there in, in Cincinnati. I know it's a big right. if, but if Deshaun Watson is a part of the AFC North, holy fuck, the Browns just got a whole <laughs> lot better. Uh, the Steelers, yeah. we still don't know what's up with the Steelers. I'm not really worried about them right now, but still, you got to fucking keep the points off the board. And yeah. we did not do right. a good job of that against fucking Cincinnati last year. Nope. 40 twice. points and twice. Always going to be the one person that's like, oh, well, Derek Stingley's tape in 2020 and 2021 wasn't as good as 2019. You're right. It was not as good. However, it was still good. Yeah. Right. So if that is your floor for a cornerback, you take that at 14 all day, every day. I take that at five all day, every day. Right. Well, let's go down the list, man, because there's a bunch of corners that are being mocked. Like you said, it seems like every other day another name pops up at the top 15 of the draft in this order. Andrew Booth, guy out of Clemson, six foot, 194 pounds. All these guys seem to be right around the same size. Like his highlight tape, I mean, I haven't, known, I didn't watch him a whole lot. Obviously, playing in the ACC and Clemson wasn't very good this year. Um, another one with some injury issues. Have you heard? I've also heard some character flaw issues. What do you think on Andrew Booth? Is he a, a top of the draft kind of guy? Do you take him at fourteen? I would take him at fourteen. He's my CB two. Okay, maybe CB three at worst. Uh, the character flaw stuff just came out recently. I feel like that's probably. You know, somebody trying to make him fall a little bit. Um, He's a hell of an athlete as well. He's super twitchy, and I love twitchy corners. Um, You know, his measurables are all there. He uh, he's able to stay with receivers. It doesn't really seem to matter their speed. Uh, With corners, you pay attention to forty speed a little bit, but you want to pay attention to in-game speed more. And Andrew Booth has been able to stick with every single receiver that he has been put up against uh, in every single game. So his injury history is a little sketchy, but again, I can't say like I'm okay with Derek Stingley's injury history and then be like, oh, well, I don't like Andrew Booth because of his. Uh, I think he'll be fine. Okay. All right. right. Well, the other name that keeps popping up, especially with the Ravens, because he seems to be like the the prototypical guy that the Ravens would go after from a character standpoint and what he brings to totality. Trent McDuffie out of Washington, 5'11", 193 pounds, uh, you know, high football IQ, high character grades, physical corner, even though he lacks a little bit of size, even though he lacks the size, uh, not afraid to lay a hit and a good tackler. Do you think McDuffie's a future Raven? I mean, he ran a 4-4, so I, I'm pretty sure that's why people are high on him. Okay. Uh, he's super tough. Like, he arrives violently, which is awesome. I love that. Uh, however, he's, his size does worry me, especially when you're playing against big receivers like T. Higgins or Jamar Chase or uh, Chase Claypool or who's starting at wide receiver for the Browns? Donovan Peoples-Jones? He's a midget. He's fine. Uh <laughs> <laughs> he just I, I, I don't think that he holds up against big wideouts, and that's a problem when you look at all of the top tier wideouts in the NFL. They're all big wideouts. 
Right. So, and, and he's another guy that uh, he did not have a lot of NFL level competition over the past few years. So, the same problem that you see with Gardner, you see with Trent McDuffie. I do like his versatility. He's got inside outside versatility. He could start at either position. Um, you know, he's got a lot of good going for him. I don't think you take him at 14. He screams top of the second round to me. Okay. All right. Now, you've mentioned him a couple of times, and we've already talked about him a few times. Kyle Hamilton, right out of Notre Dame, that you said yeah. number one overall player in this draft. Safety, 6'4", 220 pounds. Obviously projected to go well before the Ravens at 14. And the Ravens just paid Marcus. What's, yeah, well, depending on what mock you're, follow, you're following, right? Some yeah. have him real high. Some have him do falling down to the Ravens. But here's the thing. You, the Ravens just paid Marcus Williams a ton of money to be their ball hawk, right? You've got Chuck Clark out there as well. Is Hamilton just too good to pass up if somehow you can pull that off at 14? So people want to talk about how the Ravens are the best player available mentality, and they right. will always take the best player available, whether it fits the need or not, even though as of late they take the best player available that fits the need, which I like to call DPA slash N. Kyle Hamilton, if you fall 14, there better be less than three seconds off the clock before that car is turned in. <laughs> uh, Kyle Hamilton is not just free safety or a box safety. He's also a nickelbacker. He is also a nickel corner. He, he's probably got five position uh, versatility. So he ran a slow 40. I Anyone that comes to me is like, oh, he ran a slow 40. Go watch the tape. Tell me where that slow 40 is. Please. He'll pull one game that shows me that Kyle Hamilton is running through molasses. Let, let me ask you this, though, because you mentioned him and his versatility and how you can use him. I think his name was Isaiah Simmons, the kid that uh, ended up going to the Cardinals. Would you compare him yeah. to him? No. No? I think he has higher four, higher ceiling than Simmons. Really? Okay. Um, now, that is a good point, though. Kyle Hamilton will have to go somewhere where they know how to use him right. because of that versatility. But the other side of that is you could stick him in any of those positions that I named and he would be a top player. Okay. Could you could you, you do don't think have is, to use his versatility? I was gonna say from that versatility standpoint, is he a guy, you know, some people are talking about the linebacker core. Is he a guy that you could ask and help put on, on a little bit more weight and be a be a linebacker or or float up in that linebacker given the fact that you mentioned he can play box safety, so you can you can have him up in there in the box, but also have him play some pass coverage at times? Okay, so this is where his speed comes into question, right? If he's running a four five and he put some weight on. Yeah, how much? Essentially, you're dropping that that down to a four six, right? So, at one, what point are you comfortable having him play Mike? Because he would have to play Mike. His football IQ almost demands it, and Patrick Queen was better at will than he was at, at Mike. Right. So, if you're hypothetically saying like, "Hey, we're going to draft this guy at 14, and we're going to have him play Mike linebacker," how comfortable are you with his speed dropping when he's putting on weight? Plus, he's trying to pick up the nuances of playing that exclusively. And then what happens if somebody goes down and you need him to step back into a safety role or a corner role? Right. Then he has to shed the weight again. So that's a really complicated question because, one, you're not taking a Mike linebacker at 14. Right. <laughs> especially not a true Mike linebacker. Uh, a guy who isn't a true Mike linebacker, I meant to say. Um 
if that's their idea for them, I don't want them taking him at 14. Right, that's I doing agree. him a disservice. Fair, fair enough. I was just bringing up the, the the whole piece of versatility. Could could that be something? Is that something we think he could grab onto? And you kind of alluded to it. Yes. What I was going after, which was this this is one of the guys that has a football IQ that you can have him step into a leadership type role relatively quickly, but then it starts to limit him and what he what you need him to do or what you can have him do because you can't have him be in that leadership role. We've seen them try to use safeties in the leadership role, and at times, for the most part, it doesn't work. Uh, you've got to have you've got to have that middle linebacker be the guy that's that's really out there guiding everybody. You can't have somebody dropping back into being a free safety and making play calls. It just it doesn't usually work uh, right, because the free safety has to play freely. But if you're right. bringing Kyle Anderson to replace Chuck Clark, send it. Exactly. Okay. I All agree right. with that. So let's let's look and, and let's slide down on the keep on the defense. Let's slide down into the, the front seven. Let's look at some potential edge and defensive front guys, and, and let's assume. I'm going to say assume that Thibodeau and Hutchinson are gone. They're off table. Not a choice. So a few guys that are being floated around. Jermaine Johnson, FSU, 6'5", 254. He's bounced around a bit in college. Juco to Georgia to FSU. Uh, great balance against the, the running pass, right? He kind of gives you a little bit of the best of both worlds at times. Does he get you excited, or, and do you think he, he falls to the Ravens? I'm sorry, repeat that question one more time. It kind of cut out there. Does Johnson get you excited and you think he can actually fall to the Ravens at 14? Yeah, I mean, he could definitely fall to the Ravens at 14. I, I think a name that's being left out, if we're just saying Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau aren't going to be there, what about Trayvon Long? We're getting to him. Man, he's, we're getting there. he's the next okay. guy we're bringing up. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> uh, so Jordan Davis is, uh, I mean, monster athlete, obviously. His combine was absolutely absurd he yeah. ranked first out of in ras out of all prospects of all time right <laughs> or you know since it started being tracked uh he but the problem with him is he does have some pass rush shoes but i think he's right now at this stage of his game he's much more a run defender which i guess fits the baltimore brandon's mold right that look at brandon Williams. he was a run defender and people wanted him to pass rush right um if you're taking Jordan Davis at 14, fans have to expect some uh, inconsistencies with his fast rush game. Okay, so what do you think? So we were I, we were going to get to Davis in a little bit. What do you think about Jermaine Johnson? No, that's what he's talking about. Oh my god, dude! You said Jermaine Johnson, and I heard Jordan Davis. Yeah, that's why I was like, me. I was sitting here looking at Fred. Go, did I miss something? Did I <laughs> did I screw up a name again? <laughs> it wasn't me this time, James. It was you. No, it was me. Uh, Jermaine Johnson's off. He's my, uh, so outside of Hutchinson and Thibodeau, because I honestly think there's no chance of getting either one of them. Uh, Jermaine Johnson is my ideal edge guy. Okay. All right. Um, strong, powerful, quick. He has a, a good repertoire of pass rush, pass rush moves. Um, so if Jermaine Johnson is there at 14, which I don't know that he will be, there's talk of him actually going in the top 10. I don't know if that's just smoke or what. Right. Uh, but Jermaine John, if you walk away from Thursday night with Jermaine Johnson as your ticket fourteen, you had a really good night. Yeah, I agree. I, I like Jermaine Johnson a lot. Yeah. I think he'd be a good fit in this defense. Now, you mentioned him already. Uh, Trayvon Walker, the kid out of Georgia, 6'5", 270 pounds. 
This is a guy's name who's been all over mock draft boards, and I'm telling you, it's been I've seen him go as high as number one overall, and I think it was Chris Sims' latest mock to even yeah, down to I know, right, exactly. And I've seen him go all the way down to where the Ravens are in that 14 to 15 area. He's got rare strength and quickness at his size, can move inside or outside. What's your thoughts on Walker? So, first of all, his name's not Trayvon. It is Yuri. <laughs> Another Oway situation, huh? people, Yeah, I don't know how many people know that. I don't but, know. Uh, yeah, his name is Yuri Trayvon Walker. Um, interesting. And I like that. I like the name Yuri. It's fun to say. <laughs> uh, so, I like him. He's big, powerful, uh, not necessarily as explosive as you would like, uh, especially if you're going to move him inside. Uh, he, he seems to struggle a little bit with his explosiveness inside, a little bit less outside, but it's still not as explosive as you w- would like to see. Uh, he definitely his hand, dude. I would not want to get hit by that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, it, the bull rush is just insane with him. So if you've got always speed rushing on one side and you've got Walker just bull rushing the shit out of a right tackle on the other side, I, I mean, that creates a nice little one two punch. The versatility is cool, uh, but in the Ravens situation where you don't really have another outside guy uh, besides Oway and Bowser whenever he comes back, um, you, you don't really want to move Walker inside too, right. too much. Um, so that kind of limits the versatility. Of I'm just I'm interested to see with McDonald what he does with that defensive front because we saw a That's lot of big question mark on that defensive right front under Wink. So it'll be interesting to see what, if he kind of fills that same mantra. Yeah. So so the other guy that yeah. I want I want to take a second to it'll get it. It'll be nice not to have a pass or uh, a blitz dialed up on third and seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> so the other guy that I I know that the 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 chat room has been chiming in left and right. I've seen this name I don't know how many times in the chat room at this point. But George Karlaftis, the, the guy out of Purdue, six foot four, two seventy five, one of the best power rushers in the draft, according to many people. Uh, this kid is a friend of the show, Ellis McKinney, uh, sung high praises yeah, for him. Man. Former Terps offensive lineman uh, he, that said yeah. as a freshman, uh, George was an absolute monster and a player to watch. He wasn't wrong. It, the question becomes, is he the right fit for the Ravens if he's there? So... I mean, this is kind of the opposite of what I was saying against with, with Davis, right? Like, so Karlaftis is just not good against the run. Right. So I think that's the biggest weakness that you're, you're looking at there. Um, he doesn't, he's not very twitchy, which I don't love from an edge rusher. Uh, that being said, speaking of guys that arrive violently, George Karlaftis is one of them. 100%. He is a camera shaking, ground shaking. You will hear him hit somebody, knock the helmet off, bloody a nose kind of guy, uh, which, let's be honest, this defense has missed that up front yep. uh, ever since Terrell Suggs left. So I like Karlaftis. I don't like him at 14. Uh, he's definitely, you know, we talked earlier about trading back. Uh, he's definitely a guy that if you want to take him in the first round, I prefer you take him in the mid 20s. Um, maybe try to get Kansas City out of one of those back-to-back picks and take him there. Uh, I don't think he's a, a top half of the draft guy. Interesting. Okay. A lot of mocks have him high, so it'd be, it'd be kind of risky, I think, moving back to the 20s if that's your but, target. But, but to his point, that could just be you know the Ravens and, and really just everywhere yeah. getting high on a player for a certain reason. So I 
that's the thing about Mox is these these are just names that are commonly thrown out. But to his point, this is a guy that I think pre-draft or not pre-draft pre-combine. He was he was probably a guy that people were looking at late first round. Uh, so the reason they're called mock drafts is not because they're meant to simulate the real draft. Right. Of course. It's because they're meant to be mock. Right. So the people that have him, you know, going top 10, top 12, top 15, feel free to make fun of those people. Right. <laughs> All right. all right, fair enough. So fair let's enough. let's talk a little bit about the couple of interior guys. The one guy you already kind of talked a little bit about, Jordan Davis. He's the combine freak show, the guy that ran the crazy forty time at three hundred and whatever he is, three hundred and forty pounds at six yeah. foot six. Um, he's going to demand a double team. I mean, this guy is huge. He is massive inside. He's a great, great run stopper. Uh, but do you think he'll be enough and be on the field enough to justify a pick at fourteen? So that's another one that like you gotta love his athletic upside and his athletic profile. Right. And, you know the things that I talked about earlier. Uh, his teammate Devonta Wyatt actually has a better pass rush upside than him, um, but he does have some pass rush juice. Uh, if you're taking him at 14, you're banking on him learning very quickly from guys like Mike Pierce and Calais Campbell, especially Calais Campbell. Right. So that's a pick that you have to be uber confident. Not uber confident, but you have to be confident that your defensive line coaching and veteran players can show him the way. Um, and I think that's a big part of why they brought Calais profile. back. You know, Calais I yeah. mean, is that mentor for that defensive line. And, uh, you know, Michael Pierce, obviously, he's been around the league for a while, right? He can be a mentor. But they've got a big hole, I think, in, in, in losing Big Baby, specifically against the run. We all know what he was as a run defender. Right. Baseball boy. Right. Now, the other guy that you mentioned, Devontae Wyatt, 6'3", 307 pounds, his teammate, great quickness inside. It can be quick to shoot the gaps, but struggles a bit bit against the run in power formations. Played zero tech all the way out to seven tech. Do you like Wyatt's fit along the interior? Yes, I do like Devontae Wyatt's fit along the interior. However, I like him at the ass end of the first round or potentially in the second round. I okay. do not like him at 14. Okay. So another guy that you're trading back. So right up there with Carl Aftis. Yeah. yeah. He's a, I mean, he's a guy that you have to worry about his, again, his explosiveness. Um, you know, he, he, uh, needs some work with his hands, his feet, just something about his tape made me look at him and go, well, that's probably a second round guy. There was some hype about him going in the first round, uh, and he might. I just hope it's not the Baltimore at 14. Um, you know, he's got some pass rush juice, but he's got some issues that I think people aren't talking enough about uh, in terms of his explosiveness and his, his hand and feet usage. Okay. Fair enough. Let's flip sides of the ball. Let's look at the offensive line, right? Obviously, this is going to assume that the top three offensive linemen are gone in Evan Neal, Aquanu, uh, even Kenyon Green. We'll say he's gone, the top guard that's in this draft. A guy that, uh, you know, he's kind of a project, but could fall depending upon what happens at the top end of this draft. Charles Cross, the offensive tackle out of Texas A&M, 6'5", 305 pounds, Played last season as a left tackle, last two seasons as a left tackle. Great athlete, very strong in pass pro, may struggle a bit against the run from what I've seen. Do you think if Cross is available and you're, 
are you running the at to the table for a guy like this? Or are you still okay now that with the news of Ronnie Stanley's health being better? I uh, even before the news of Ronnie Stanley's health being better, I don't think I was running to the table for Charles Cross. Okay. Uh, I think Cole really likes him. Um, but I think Jeff, I think it was Jeff, uh, said that, uh, he's a really hard evaluation for the Ravens. And if you've got a really tough evaluation, I don't think you run to the table for him at 14. Um, I think you can take a, a different guy, uh, later on in the draft, especially with, again, positivity. Let's say that this Ronnie Stanley news is, is real. And also let's take into account that Juwan James was, uh, you know, he was activated off buff at the end of last year. Let's say that he's healthy and ready to go, and he's assimilated into the offense. Uh, I don't think you have to rush anywhere for an offensive tackle, let alone one that you're not too sure about. Okay. Right. Well, I mean, speaking of kind of the same the same thing that some people aren't too sure about, you know, James over here is high on Trevor this Penning. Is this is his guy uh, out of Northern Iowa, 6'7", 327. This is the guy that, that all the videos were coming out with him at the practice squad, you know, throwing guys the to the ground. Bowl. He's, uh, I'm sorry, the senior bowl. Uh, the, 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 the fact that he's got such a mean streak in him. But we also saw through some of the, the same time frame videos that there were guys, speed kills him. Because there were guys that were much smaller than he, were, than he was, and they were running at him faster with the bull rush, and he just couldn't handle it. So too many flags here, too much risk for 14, in, I think, Fred's opinion, in my opinion. Uh, You're, it's a very love or hate relationship yeah. with the penning idea. you got people on both sides of the fence here. Where do you stand? Well, the people that hate penning are wrong. Okay. So there's that. Uh, you can't teach size. You can't teach attitude. Everything else is correctable. Okay. I get that he's heavily penalized. I get that speed kills him. You're looking at Trevor Penning as your right tackle. I mean, you're not looking at him as a left tackle. Now, granted, defenses move their uh, rushers around a lot more than they used to. So right tackle and left tackle are kind of even in terms of importance these days. Uh, Trevor Penning is a specimen, dude. And if you want to talk about attitude versus ability, right? So Ryan Jensen had that mean streak. Ryan Jensen also struggled with speed rushes. Everybody loves Ryan Jensen. Right. So why don't they love Trevor Penning? So the what only- I think we're seeing is <laughs> the whole, like, what I think we're seeing is that people are like, oh, well, everybody loves him, so I'm going to hate him. And then, again, Everybody caught on. You have James over here with the biggest damn smile on his <laughs> yeah, face he right loves now, man. Penning. Absolutely I, loves petting. I think this guy would be a monster in Baltimore, but I just feel like the Ravens are going to just go defense. So, well, here's here's so. my only issue with penning, right? And I, I, to your point, everything that you just said is very valid. All the reasons that I liked Ryan Jensen was here was because he had that mean streak. He was protective. The, the play over Flacco yeah. when he got hit by Kiko Alonso, like just. That's the kind of offensive mind that you want, and that's the kind of mentality that you want. But there becomes a line where you become just ridiculous, I think. And and, and some of those practice videos that we saw at the Senior Bowl, right? What? He's taking he showing off at the Senior I Bowl. I did it, but he's taking guys and throwing them back, throwing them on the ground at the at towards a quarterback. You imagine if he threw a guy like that and a defensive end or Lamar Jackson's ankles, a broken his, ankle, yeah, his Lamar, knee, his Lamar's ankle, whatever. Be like, Standing around there, dude. I don't know. Yeah, Lamar I mean, likes to be. That's why we all hate James Hurst. What's that? That's why we all hate James Hurst. So, I, <laughs> I mean, it's a valid concern, but I, show me one game tape where he's doing that. Right. 
And, and honestly, I didn't watch any of his game tape his prior game to tape it. I, I just sick, saw dude. what I saw <laughs> and what everybody else got excited about. Everybody excited about the attitude. Everybody got said, you know, excited about the size and the athleticism. That's where Penning was kind of born. Was at that Senior Bowl practice. But like I said, I just I saw the pros and I saw the cons. I just I worry, especially at fourteen, the risk reward there with Penning. So the Ravens love Penning. That's the word. Okay. Okay. They love Penning. Here's the knife to James's heart. He is not a good pick at 14. You definitely trade back for a guy like Penning. Maybe you can trade back in the first. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I'm with that. I mean, if he's our second pick in the first round, cool. I'm all right with that. I just, at 14, I just do not like it. I I just don't think the risk rewards are worth it. About these offensive tackles that we're talking about, right? If they're taking an offensive tackle in the first round, you better start worrying about Ron Stanley. Exactly. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. That's going to be the tell the, you know, the tell all. The other offensive yeah. lineman in this draft who was especially early when draft talk start first started, Tyler Lindenbaum, the center out of Iowa, 6'3", 292 pounds. What's that? He's not a fit. <laughs> he even let you finish. Nope, nope. Cut it off. Cut him off. Maybe not. But here, here's the thing. I mean, he's got the wrestling background, has a great base, could be an anchor in the middle of the line for a decade or more. Like, that's what they're projecting with this kid is that he is hands down, heart, you know, head and heels above everybody else as far as center prospects in this draft. I love this kid, and I think he'd be a plug-and-play gap filler, and you'd have him for five years if you take him in the first, but he is absolutely, in my opinion, the guy that you trade back for. Yeah. If, if I think if the Ravens do trade back in the draft, not trade back in, I'm talking about trade back in the, in the, in the draft with their first-round pick, I think Linderbaum is the target here, at least in my opinion. He doesn't fit the scheme, though. <laughs> you have to learn a whole new offensive line scheme for him. Okay. So I, I just I don't think you you can get guys like Luke Fortner or uh, Alex Landstrom or uh, the kid out of ASU. Uh, you can get guys later in the draft that twenty uh, percent of the cost, eighty percent of the production uh, that are better scheme fits. Don't get me wrong, dude. Lenderbond's a hell of a player, hell of a player. Just not for Baltimore. Okay, fair enough, man. That's why we ask you, right? <laughs> so let's let's take a look at some hypothetical scenarios, right? So obviously we talked about a, a plethora of names, all at positions of concern for the Ravens, right? So let's say all the names that we've talked about, we've already named the guys that aren't on the board, the, the givens that are going to go off the board in the top 10 before the Ravens pick. All the players we just named are on the board. Who is your guy at 14? Obviously, let's let's eliminate. Hold on. Let's eliminate <laughs> Kyle Hamilton because we already know he's your number one overall player. Let's, let's eliminate Kyle Hamilton. But outside of him, all the other names that we've talked about, corner, tackle, uh, offensive line, who is your guy in this draft for the Ravens? Hold on. Before I answer that, can I ask a question? Sure. So for the people that don't like Penning at 14, Right. Or don't like Penning for the Ravens because of his attitude or something like that. How many of you guys like George Pickens? Like who? Pickens. The wide receiver. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I get you. I see where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's throwing guys into the crowd. Right. And everybody loves Pickens. Right. Somehow it's a problem with Penning. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, uh, man, you're taking Kyle Hamilton away. So, I mean, number two, Derek Stingley. Okay. But, All right. Fair enough. Now, right. To be fair, even if you left Kyle Hamilton in, I would still take Derek Stingley. 
just because of the fit in the offense or in the defense. Oh my, oh my God, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So it's a monster. Next hypothetical, and I'm going to throw this out there. This was Fred's idea to do this hypothetical. <laughs> I'm just saying it. Uh, there's no DBs on the board. They're gone. Okay. But you have your choice and pick of the litter at edge and defensive line, guys. Who are you going with? Ooh. Do you like the Jordan Davis fit? Do you like the Jermaine Johnson fit? What? Are we assuming that, that Hutch and Tib are off the board? Yeah, we're just saying Hutch and Tib <laughs> are off the board. We're not going up to Caveat. get those two guys. <laughs> that's, the only re- that's the only reason I called so long. I'm like, do I take Hutch or do I take Tib? Uh, it's Jermaine Johnson for me. It is Jermaine. Okay. Even yeah, with your concerns on the Hutch. interior yeah. of the defensive line, you still like Jermaine Johnson better with the prospects that are up there. 100% because you look at it this way, right? If you have Odafe Owe and Jermaine Johnson coming off the edge, you can figure out the interior, man. Right. I agree with that. They, you can gap, I mean, you can you gap can, fill there, yeah. Yeah. You can come back and take like a uh, an IDL on day two and, and you'll be fine or an interior rusher of some sort on day two and, and figure it out from there. Okay. If you have JJ and, and Double O coming off of the edge, you don't have to worry about yeah. You can find to your point. You, you can right. you can find it in day two. You know, even it, not necessarily day three, but day two, especially in the second round, third round, you can find guys that are you know still serviceable plug and play projects, if you will. They're they're going to need a little bit of work. This is a but they're a stockpile draft between yeah. twenty five and probably fifty five in this draft. There's a ton of fucking. Time I would say there. between twenty five and eighty five. Really, even that far out? Wow, Deep. that's great. Oh okay. yeah, like you're watching some of these guys. It, 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 it's a good, good draft to have a lot of day two and, and early day three pick. That's great. Well, beyond first round guys, then right? Since we're talking about it, who's the one guy? Who's your one guy you would love to see as a Raven in this draft, and why? Beyond the first round guys, who is that guy that fits and would be your guy? Uh, can I pick one on each side of the ball? Sure, go for it. All right, sweet. So Roger McCreary. Okay. I love his fit as a slot guy. Yeah. My God, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. It, you take Roger McCreary at 45, and you've got your slot corner for the next 10 years. That kid's so good. And he's got inside outside versatility, too. He's just undersized. So right. people think that he's not going to be good because of his size. He's, he's better than Tavon. Like right. right now, I think he's probably better than Tavon was wow. in whatever year that was that Tavon was really good. <laughs> Um. Yeah, he's my draft crush, McCreary. Okay. Uh, on the other side of the ball, uh, James Cook, running back. Who? Um, James. James Cook. Oh, James Cook. Yeah, the, the Del- yeah. Uh, what's his name? Delvin Cook. His brother, right? Yeah, his brother. So yeah. he's not as good as Delvin Cook. But if you're determined to add, add a premier pass catching running back, James Cook is the guy. Ravens he's just had guy. him in for a visit, I believe, recently, didn't they? Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm, I right. like that. Last week. I like that. Um, James Cook is the completion of the four-headed monster that includes J.K. and Gus and Lamont. Uh, plus, he has enough rushing upside that you can stick him in if J.K. and Gus, for whatever reason, are not ready to go. So, I like it. Not bad. Not I bad. Like it. All right, so let's let's kind of go and give some predictions now. Yeah, let's get into beyond what we think, what we want, right? We all know what the Ravens do historically. So let's let's look at three different scenarios here. I want to give us all of our predictions at what that the Ravens might do at 14 with these three different scenarios. Let's say the Ravens don't move and stay at 14. 
who's the guy? And I want all of us to give an answer. If they don't move, Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson. Okay. All right. I don't think Johnson will be there. He's there. I don't yeah. think Johnson will be there, and that's why I would go with Davis. I've been saying Davis for a long time now. I think he's he's a guy that will be there, and it's a guy that can make an impact right away of the guys that I think will be there. Okay. James, who's the guy at 14? Well, you, we know we have to draft a quarterback, so I'm going to go with Pickett's. No, I'm going go, <laughs> <laughs> to go with um, my, my boy. Like, Trevor, I, I At dude, 14? I, we need to get this offensive line set for Lamar if we're going to pay him this $50 million that he's going to be asking next year because that's what the league's trending up. You know, he wants to be – I want to show what I'm doing and all. You got to protect your guy. You got to protect your investment. And if you don't know what, what Stanley's going on, but like I said, I'll, I'll be fine with Jordan there as well. But as much as I would love to go offense, even a wide receiver, uh, I still see them going defense. And I'm with I'm with Scott. With Jordan's going to be there. All right. So I think only reason they don't go Davis is because his limited snaps, right? I don't think he's going to be on the field enough to justify 14 if they go 14. So at 14, I would love Jermaine Johnson. I'm right there with you. But I think Johnson's gone at That's 14. That's what I said, yeah. And I still think they go edge, and I do think they go Carl Laftis. And I think, okay. I, you know, I don't, I don't love the fit, and I think <laughs> it's going to upset Raven fans. I really do. I, I, but I think in the long run, given that, you know, the, he gets a year under his belt, I think Ravens fans will change their tune on him just because of the kind of power presence that he does have. Uh, and he's, he's a solid athlete. And, 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 again, Ellis McKenney, you know, a friend of the show or whatever, was talking about this kid as a freshman when he was a freshman and how disruptive he was. And, again, this is a Big Ten offensive line, right? Uh, so I think he's only grown as time's gone on. Uh, I like I, I like I don't love I like the pick of Carl Laftis at 14 is my opinion all right so let's say the Ravens trade down that's the next scenario right they trade down who's the later guy they feel comfortable trading out of 14 for got chips Penning. Hmm. <laughs> okay uh, well, now if they trade back, maybe Carl Laftis. Okay. Uh, or Trent McDuffie. Who's the guy? That's where I would go. Give I, me one. Give I, me one. I, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go Trent McDuffie at that point. I mean, it depends on how late you're talking uh, trading back, but that's probably a Trent McDuffie pick. That's me. If they're trading back, it, it's it's to go after a, a guy like McDuffie and get the value because you can pick it up. You can pick up, as, as he just said, 25 through 80, you know, 85, 55, wherever it's at. If you're giving up 14, you're getting some, something in there. So you're picking up another pick in there, which just gives you another hit and another potential hit. So why not trade back, get a guy like McDuffie who can make an impact, and then go get one of those other guys. Ooh, that's, that's who I'm going. I'm going with Booth. Not McDuffie. I'm going with Booth. You're going with Booth. Booth. Okay. okay. Yeah, All I right. fucking hate McDuffie. I'm going with Booth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. James, All right. who you got? Trading back. Are you going to keep the same name? So he's going to take Penning at 14, or they're going to take him if they trade back. Either <laughs> I, way. I told him I, I would love just to have him, dude. If we, you know, no, trade no. back into the first and we can get him, I'll take it, you know. But, you know, uh, we can always get a quarterback. Right. <laughs> I, I personally still believe that if they do trade back, I think it's a sign that they go, uh, they go Linderbaum. I think, you know, I know they paid <laughs> Macari some extra money, but it, right. Linderbaum, I don't think goes a 
above 20. I think he's in that like 21 to 24 range. So if you see them trade back to there, I, I, again, I think Ravens flock so, will go crazy so on here's social the, media. Here's the but. question on something like that, though, right? Is Linderbaum that much of an upgrade at center over upgrading your defensive end or your defensive line or your DBs? No. Right. And that's my point is I don't think that would happen. No. Yeah, I don't know. I just they're doing everything that they can to try to protect Lamar, right? I that's get it. that's I especially get it. going to be a big investment whenever the fuck that happens. Let's hope that that happens. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think that they want to do something to show Lamar that they're invested in him besides the money thing, yeah. right? They're he's holding out for if whatever we reason. Did, so improve your defense, and I if get that. defense stops the other team from scoring so many points, then Lamar won't have to do so much, and you're protecting him that way. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's go with the the other one that we'd all love to see somehow, but it would it's going to cost us, right? Remember that. The Ravens trade up. Let's say the Ravens trade up. Who's the can't miss guy? You got to have him, and you got to have him now. And we'll say it's for Kyle Hamilton. <laughs> we'll <laughs> no, say, I didn't pull it out of there. All right. So let's do. We want to put this a caveat on this. This isn't what you want or what you think. What do you actually think EDC would trade up for and trade up to? So think about think about what picked you're trading up to as well. I got it. Go ahead, while Chips thinks. Go ahead, James. I'm going with Singletary. Stingley, you mean? Stingley, Stingley, I, you I'm mean sorry, Stingley. Stingley. I'm sorry. I'm over here scrolling up. So Stingley, you think is is worth trading up Trade for, up. and that's you know, the guy you, that they'd be you going wanna, after. You want to you want to you want to go defense? Go get your defensive guy. Go get your Jamar Chase uh, stopper for the next four years. Lock it down. You have to go up to eight to do that. Well, do what we got to do. Well, I think, again, I think six comes into play because of all the scenarios I talked about with uh, Carolina. I think if they're going to trade up, six is the spot, personally. Okay. So who who are you going with then? I think, yeah, I think if they do go and trade up, it's to go after an edge guy because that is the biggest need, in my opinion, is still the edge guy, and I think they get a Thibodeau, right? They're high on Thibodeau. Thibodeau loves the Ravens. He's been talking to Ray. He is is another guy that's got the highest floor, still hasn't peaked yet, right? So – I think if they make a move and go up to six, it's Thibodeau. How about you, Chibs? You figure it out? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was going to go with six, too, but I was going to say eight. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's, it'd be either Tibbs or Sting. I, I don't think there's anyone else that interests them that much um, as far as DTA slash N. I, I think it would be either Tibbs or, or Sting. Yeah, I, I think we're all in a, we're all in agreement on that. They'd have to trade up. Yeah. You, you you have to double down and get halfway halfway there, right? right. You got you, you got to at least moving four picks to ten doesn't make sense. It's not going to be you're not going to get the guy that you want. It's got to be to to anywhere between that six and that eight mark. And to your point, it, it, it's a Thibodeau, it's a Stingley, it's those guys. You're trying to grab them before anybody else gets them uh, because these guys can make an impact. Day one, these guys are day. One. Oh, imagine having Owe and, and him on the and Thibodeau on the other side. I mean, it, I'm D- freaking out the same about that as I am about him and Jermaine Johnson too. Right. Well, but I mean, I think Thibodeau Thibodeau has uh, to me more speed off the line from the videos that I've seen from the from the film that I've it's seen. More of a freak athlete. Right. Well, that too. But but I, I think he's just. It's it's un, he's unstoppable from what you've seen right from that perspective. So I, I think that's where it comes in. But it sounds like we're all in agreement that 
those are the two main guys that, that we could really see the Ravens going up and getting. It's it's positions, right? They're going to go after – if they're trading up, it's to go after an absolute position of need, which is right now is edge and cornerback. And yeah. if Stingley is their guy and Thibodeau is their guy, I think Ravens flock would be extremely excited about either one of them, personally. Yeah. Jersey sales will go out. <laughs> <laughs> and, then they, and then they change their number the next year. That's how it works. That's Tim's, how it generally works. It's been fun as usual, man. Again, this is year three now in the books. Man, what's uh, what's your draft day plans for Thursday? Are you watching at home or what are you doing? Uh, yeah, we're just going to watch at home. Uh, I am going to actually be doing uh, redoing the floor for one of Kelly's clients. So I will probably just finish up early there. And then uh, we'll watch the game on, or watch the draft on the big screen. She'll probably fall asleep long before uh, I'm done watching. So I will uh, try to keep my yelling and screaming to a minimum. Well, uh, we will be live, yeah. man. So if you're bored and you want to make a phone call, you want to call into the show, we'll be live for that three or four hours on Thursday. It's been fun as always, man. Tell everybody oh, yeah, where everybody can follow you on social media and any projects or anything that you're working on. Yeah, thanks for having me on, boys. Uh, right now, I'm currently on Twitter, at LRChib. It's uh, C-H-I-B-S. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to get my at Late Round Corner account back. So what had happened was uh, I was here we having go. a conversation with a friend of mine. Okay? He said something about uh, people, or specifically women, who... Uh, you know, the astrology sign thing, like, oh, I did it because I'm a Sagittarius or, or you know, whatever the fuck that stupid people say. Uh, <laughs> so I said the people that use their astrological signs as a personality should uh, kill themselves expeditiously. Oh, yeah, and apparently somebody thought I was telling my buddy to kill himself, oh, which no. I assume. So uh, I got banned for that. So, of course, the one time I'm not eloquent, my insults, I get <laughs> got for it. So it's Some stupid. people don't just get, just don't get that Chibs asshole kind of vibe. They don't get it. They don't yeah, get like, you. They don't get you. If, if you're using an astrology sign as a personality, you're a fucking idiot. So Agreed. You should... <laughs> You should remove yourself yeah. from this plane of existence. Maybe Eli <laughs> Musk should possible. take that back. Right, and, re and remove the mood ring from your left hand. Thank you. Uh, Elon might be saving you here. <laughs> I, listen, man, let's hope so. So for right now, it's at LR Chib, maybe permanently. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, I appreciate everyone that has helped me get some of my uh, my followers back and everything like that. Uh, as far as projects, man, I have been a lazy son of a bitch. <laughs> it is not radio or podcast. I haven't been doing it, uh, but I am going to keep up the tradition of doing one final article um, before nice. the draft. Hit. So I'll be releasing that tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I saw you posted I that on, on Twitter that you, you were going to be yeah. putting that out at some point tomorrow. I am. Uh, and then I probably won't write anything until football season starts or something. I just it's gotten to the point where like I'm so busy with work that uh, I really just enjoy interacting with people on Twitter and I just don't have the time or the, honestly the motivation to write. Yeah. Uh, so I get that. Life comes first, my friend life comes first. Correct. So everyone follow me at LR Chib. Uh, and that is my only form of social media. Uh, I'm not a big social media guy these days. So that's well. that. 
Well, Facebook is trash anyway, so yeah. <laughs> glad you're right not here. on there anyway. Hey, hey, we got listeners listening on Facebook right uh, now. Leave it alone. It's well, trash. We love all of you, trash. but it's trash. <laughs> they, they can watch on Twitter, too. That's right. Get Twitter, YouTube, you can follow it anywhere. <laughs> James, appreciate you taking the time, man. Fun as always. We'll stay in touch, brother. All right, bud. Thanks right. for having me on. Have a good night. You too, you too man. man. Uh, always a good character to have on the show. Great Absolutely. guy. Uh, good insights. He, he does his homework with a lot of things. Uh, has interesting takes. And, and you don't always agree with Chibs. I, you know, we, we had conversations in the past about not agreeing with Chibs on certain things. But, you know, you can't knock his point. He makes a lot of good points when he's talking about the, a lot of these guys. And he's done a lot of his research. Uh, by the way, Drew's watching on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, wanted to appreciate point that you guys tuning in. I, I haven't had a chance to really go through the chat room, so I'm hoping James got written down a lot of questions because what we're going to do is this is just a Ravens-only show, right? We were just talking draft tonight. We're going to do our two-minute warning here in a minute. We're going to answer a lot of your questions as best we can in the after hours, so stay tuned for the after hours segment of the show, and we'll try to get to as many of them as we possibly can. boundaries two topics 30 seconds each it's time for the two minute warning no! all right fellas it's time for the two minute warning raven style we're gonna keep this ravens theme right yeah let's James came up with a couple of questions uh to go for the two minute warning that are ravens themed all right, well, we got James. Ready when you I, are, my friend. I got the button. All all right. Right. Oh, he's right. him. He's producing. I love it. All right. What are your thoughts on Deshaun Elliott going out <clears throat> and signing a one-year deal with the Detroit Lions? Uh, good on Deshaun, man. I, I love Deshaun as a person. I loved him as a player. Uh, he was just, again, you, you had two similar safeties in him and Chuck Clark here, and obviously the writing was on the wall that they wanted a more playmaking, ball-hawking safety. That's why they spent all the money on Marcus Williams. Yep. Uh, I wish him nothing but the best out there in Detroit because I know it's going to be tough times out there. It, no matter what happens in Detroit, things are never on the up-and-up and good in it, Detroit. You know, you, you, wish him, you wish him good luck, but as you said, Fucking Detroit. Right. I had to take it a lower offer somewhere else at this point. Uh, with, it's a one-year proving <laughs> deal. So. Right. I, I get it. I get it. You know, but it's it it just goes to show you, you know there there's something out there with him. There were struggles at times for him to stay on the field when he was on the field. Impactful player, which is why he gets a deal. But uh, I, I wish I would have liked to see him go somewhere else where he actually would have made. We would have been able to measure that impact a little bit more. Right. But we'll see. All right, and thoughts, and were you surprised to see Miles Boykins release after three seasons considering he was formal, formerly a third-round pick? Surprised, no. It was just a matter of time. The, the writing was on the wall. There was no chemistry between him and Lamar offensively. Yes, he brought some value, obviously, as a blocking wide receiver. Uh, he was the biggest wide receiver that we had size-wise, but he didn't use it to his advantage outside of blocking. He was a special teams ace, so that'll be missed because this is another piece on the special team side that won't be there but was i surprised with this no going to the steelers sucks yeah it sucks and it, what sucks more is the fact of their history of being able to develop receivers right uh so that's the thing is if he goes there and successful it just continues to enhance that we can't develop receivers that's what's gonna suck right uh but ultimately what the fuck took so long? We've been calling this for this for two years now. Uh, after year one, we were saying, don't feel that this is a guy. And then after the second year, it was, 
he's not the guy. And then the third year was, he's definitely not the guy. Well, they finally heard us after the third year. So, uh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck if he if he does well over there. But I'm kind of crossing my fingers and hoping that the Steelers fuck this up. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Well, it's a good show. Again, big shout out to Michael Telford Shibs for coming on the show and taking the time to be with us tonight. Uh, very insightful. Always fun talking to him. Make sure you guys tune in Thursday. If you guys are watching the NFL draft on a TV, you want to listen to us for three or four hours, talk about the Ravens. We do it every year. We live stream the round one and we'll be here with the yeah. entire crew. I think Ryan's the only one that won't be here, but the rest of the crew will be yeah, here. Yeah, breakdown of all the picks uh, for every team, not just the Ravens. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to be excited at the Ravens and what they wind up doing. So definitely stay tuned and, and, and have your alerts on. Make sure you hit those alert buttons on YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook, so that you know when we go live. It'll probably be around 7.30, so around this time. I think the draft starts at 8, so right. we'll go live, having a few beers here and putting food in our mouths as, as we're doing the show, so it'll be exciting and fun. Make sure you check us out on our website, www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, you can check out all of our episodes. You can learn about each of us. Get yourself some Birdland BS gear. Check out Shell and Tell. You guys yeah. have been putting out little episodes here We will here be there. live Saturday yes. at the spring practice game. We got some big guests, including Juju, Coming on the show, oh, Julian hey. Reese, stopping All by the, right. the there tailgate. We go. There we go. The juju that matters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Make sure you also follow us on all of our social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, at BirdlandBS is how you find us. If you're listening to this now, I don't know how if you didn't find us on one of those. So uh, make sure you're there. If you're listening to the audio version of the show, which is on all of the podcast platforms, make sure you like, follow, subscribe, and give drop us a review while you're there. As always, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, Michael Telford, Chips, for joining us. For Fred, James, myself, Drew, and Ryan, who aren't here, we'll see you guys on Thursday for draft night. See you.